Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you for the greatest day of the year. It is August 16th, which means only one thing. We're here to talk about The Room. Yay! We're in bad movie month, so what perfect time to do it when we actually get to talk about a bad movie that we kind of like, like so much. This is our fifth anniversary of talking about The Room on this day, five years ago. We did a recap of The Room, and here we are five years later talking about it still. The only movie that we actually do an anniversary of us talking about it because it's The Room. Why wouldn't you? And it's fitting because this year is the 20th anniversary of The Room. Yay! And we have a special episode today in a way because we were the biggest dicks earlier this year where we teased something more. Not Roger Moore, he's dead. But it, something more from an interview that we did earlier this year. Rest in peace, Roger Moore, by the way. So uh, a special one today, as per usual. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm ready. I don't have a quote ready, but this movie's got so many quotes. Let's just recycle one. My name is Ben, and I definitely am excited for this answer uh, question. I am definitely excited to redo this opening line again because I fucked it up. Uh, and my name is Colin, and I was definitely excited for Ben's intro until that. <laughs> yeah, that was rubbish. <laughs> like this movie, The Room, but it's so good we're here to talk about it. But, but, but. By the way, if I could interject for a second, uh, other notable things that happened August 16th, 2018, Aretha Franklin passed away at the age of 76. Oh, they often say there's a moment where the torch gets handed over and <laughs> the day Aretha Franklin died was the day that she passes the torch to continue her greatness by covering The Room. Like, thanks, well, Aretha. Even- even worse, on this day, uh, five years ago, The Meg was the number one movie at the box office. Oh, that office, is worse. So I was about to can't say, all what, be winners. What's worse than Aretha Franklin dying? The Meg got released. Yes. Yes. That is. People were sadder that day when they realized The Meg was released <laughs> than the great Aretha Franklin dying. Oh, what a, what a sad day for music that was. Colin, it's a movie that keeps on giving. Um, oh, it does ever. We've done countless episodes of this. We finally got to speak to Greg, and I know people are here to listen to that. We'll, we'll play that very shortly, the remainder of that interview that I teased earlier this year. But, I mean, what, what else can we say? I don't, every year we oh. go, what are we going to do? It's like, just fucking get online and talk about it for an hour. We don't need to have a plan. This is the room. It's a gift that keeps yeah, on we, giving. We could literally do anything. We could just recap this movie again. I mean, what have we done so far? We... Watch the room in year one. We did a commentary of the room in year two. Uh, what did we do? We, ne- we ranked the best scenes characters, uh, and characters. Disaster artist recap last year. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're up to this. And and we've wanted to have somebody from the movie on forever. We would have had the dog on if we had a chance. Uh, anybody from the room. But to actually get Mark, to not only get Mark, the guy who actually wrote the disaster artist. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. I, I, I'm going to 
spoil the illusion here. Um, I wasn't just quiet on this interview. I wasn't there. Uh, I was I was, he was waiting so and nervous. waiting and waiting. He sat there uh, in the I background. Just, he could talk to Fran Dresser. He could talk to all these other people, but he just the Deferla Point sisters. No, yeah. not Greg Sestero. No. Uh, but I I still remember this because. We are basically ready to do the interview, and he had like a flight delay, and he kept, oh, I'm, it's taking a while, and now there's traffic jams and stuff like that. And it was like over and over and over, and eventually, I just had to throw in the towel and say, I gotta go to bed. I don't know how long this is gonna be. Um, if I had had a chance to be there, I mean, it would have been the great. It would have been the greatest interview I was ever on. And I think, uh, and th- I've been on some good ones. And I think the thing with this as well is that, yeah, you're right. Like there was a whole issue around the the timing and just you know and paul like literally i think you could tell a bit in this interview and there's no disrespect to greg but he'd had a very long like 36 48 hours and i think it, i remember at the time recording that i think he was like due to then be at this thing in sydney like in less than 12 hours he was very tired he was very jet lagged but still like i i said to him I'm like 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 no like don't be silly like get some sleep we can do this like in the morning before you go to the thing and he's just like oh no 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 like i'm fine i'm fine so, like, you know, very much, um, you know, all props to him for doing that. Uh, and we'll play that in just a moment because then if people don't know what we're talking about. So, earlier this year, uh, if you remember, we had a Greg Sestro interview. And that was, uh, at that point, he was in Sydney that weekend to talk about his movie Miracle Valley. And as well as doing a screening of The Room. And then what we decided to do to be a great podcast for our one listener to tease them, rather than playing the half of that interview that was talking about The Room, we thought, well, let's save that for this very day. So that's where we're here right now, and you'll hear Mm. from that as well. So one thing I'll say, there are a few references in this interview where it's going to be a bit dated, where I'm talking about like, oh, this weekend in Sydney, this weekend in Sydney. And we've also posted the full video version of this online as well on our YouTube channel. Similar thing, you'll hear us talking about this weekend, this weekend. Obviously, that was from a few months ago. But having said that, Greg is coming back this November to the same cinema and he's going to be doing a live commentary of The Room in The Room oh, wow. by doing <laughs> The Room. Now, I never went, sadly, this year, so I'm I'm pretty set and going this time around. And if we can try and get Greg back on for something, uh, of course, in the lead up to that, I've got his, I've got his contact details now. So um, I, I'm excited because... I mean, I I heard this interview when you did it. I, I think I'm, myself and Rocky are the only ones who were able to hear this interview before today. So we're the privileged ones, but I didn't see the video. So tell us now, <laughs> does he somehow shave his beard in an interview <laughs> without any sign that he was doing anything? Sadly not. And But he does, of oh. course, answer that question that you, you sent in that day. But no, not quite. But um the video is the full one, by the way. It's not just this little nine-minute clip. It's including the, the the discussion there. I think I'll I'll just I'll throw to myself here with this. Uh, it's a short little chat in terms of this is the second half of the interview. Of course, if you want to hear the first half of what he was talking about on Miracle Valley, go back to our interview earlier in the year. And again, the video of this is now available on our YouTube channel. So uh, I'm going to go hand to myself. Here's Ben talking to Greg Sestro about the room on our fifth anniversary special. Of the room. 20 years, Greg, since the room. It's ridiculous to think that this is the 20th anniversary of the film that just keeps on giving. Uh, we, we have loved it every single time we, we have covered it on this show. How How is it now 20 years on, obviously, with everything you've experienced with it, to think that people are still talking about this now and people are still going to show up in droves on Sunday in Australia to kind of watch a film and enjoy it in the best way possible with a, with an audience who are going to enjoy it the whole time. Yeah. I've sort of, you know, I just accepted it that it's this, this unique movie that brings people a lot of joy. I met someone on the plane today 
that said, Hey, our husband, my husband and I are together because of the room. Wow. And I've heard that many, many times. And I'm like, Hey, you know, we all want to make amazing films. We all want to make movies that we grew up loving, like back to the future, star Wars and all these things. But if a movie like the room really brings people together, brings them that much joy, like that's a huge thing. So I've stopped trying to figure out is a bad movie, good movie. I'm just like, you know, it's something that, that people love. And that's at the end of the day, what you hope to make, what you hope to be a part of. And I've come to appreciate the room. And, and again, the fact that it brings people together, I think it's that shock value. I think it's so much fun to show people this movie and see their jaw drop and ask all those questions and be like, how did this get made? Why? Um, it's just some of those things. It's, 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 it does something that amazing movies do. Um, it's just in a different way. And um, 20 years later, I've just kind of come to appreciate it. And I, I, to me, like if the fans love it and they want to show up and they're not sick of it and they are still celebrating it, then I should be doing the same thing. i got to ask, how do people get together because of the room? Is it just they've gone to a screening and they've just met then? Or do they go to Comic-Cons and dress up as tommy and mark and then all of a sudden it just it happens i mean like it's kind of how how does this generally work What's all the kinds story? Of, oh yeah all kinds of ways they um you know they'll meet on 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 the dating profile and they have a picture with tommy and i uh wow. they'll show you know they'll show the room on, on a second date kind of <laughs> work out the awkwardness and it's just a great icebreaker and they're or just it's the conversation starter you know and um uh, we all kind of need that. And it's just amazing that they would go to the room. And I think the room's a really good test because if you guys can laugh at it and talk about it, then it means you have a good sense of humor. We, we do a, a month every year on the show where we do bad movie month. So you, you take four movies that are considered, you know, the worst of all time and, you know, got, got to the room. And it was, it's one of these ones that we love about the month where generally we're going into these expecting them to be bad. And you often find some of these movies, it's like, well, this is bad, but it's enjoyable bad. Like we did Geely and it's like, well, there's a good movie in this. It's just maybe kind of crap the way they put it together. We watched The Room and straight away we were just like, this is just the most incredible thing we have ever seen. Like, yes, this is shit, but it's not shit as in bad shit. This is the best shit we've ever seen and why we celebrate it. Do you love hearing that from people when they tell you that kind of story about how maybe they're bad film aficionados they, instead of watching the Razzie nominated, uh, the Oscar nominated movies every year, they watch the Razzie ones. And this is the one as famously it's been called the citizen Kane of bad movies. I think it's, you know, it comes down to entertainment and I think a really bad movie can be just as entertaining as a really good one. And I think it's just people are looking for something different over, over the holidays with my dad, we watched a movie on Netflix called welcome to sudden death and 20 minutes same we were busting up laughing and thinking like the fight scenes were like dude next night we watched it again so i was like okay i get it there's a there's an appeal here that brings you a certain amount of joy and entertainment and it's like hey it takes it takes all kinds of movies to entertain people and it's like cool if they if if this if this movie makes people feel the way i did when i watched welcome to sudden death fucking awesome and then i watched a uh I watched, I was reading reviews about it because I'm like, I never heard about this movie. And someone said, the acting is worse than The Room. No. And I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, this movie got compared to The Room. So uh, I just think, again, it, movies that get talked about 10, 20 years later, it's, there's got to be more there than just a bad movie. It's, there's got to be a mystery, a mystique, funny characters, 
Um, and that's just what the room has. It's just an, an anomaly. Do you still get surprised by questions that fans may have for you? So a Q&A event like you're going to have in Sydney, I'm sure you get the majority of questions that you've, you've always been asked, but is there ever always like a pearl that someone will throw out to you and you'll be like, huh, I've never thought of that or, oh, I've never been asked that before? Yeah, definitely. It's usually when it comes to they've read the book and their real story. Um, I think that's when they, they've kind of done a deep dive on the personal life. I think that's when they always ask something that, that's intriguing or pushing it up in a different way or, you know, um, maybe they've read a, an interview that talks about something that's not like easy to find. Um, usually is ones that I'm like, Oh, good question. Do you find that Australian audiences are different to American audiences, Canadian audiences, English audiences when it comes to watching the room based on sort of different cultures in different areas, they might interpret things a little bit differently. You know, it travels really well. I mean, I was in, you know, Eastern Europe. I was in the Baltics. I've been in Germany. They, um, and they really enjoy it. Um, they even seek it out. So wow. it's just a movie again, that, that defies any sort of, uh, barrier. It's just a very unique movie that, um, surprisingly travels the world really well. I mean, I think there was a screening in Singapore and Japan, China, and people um, respond to it. So it's just a movie that sort of defies any barriers. It just goes through and steamrolls and, and finds the audience. What is the weirdest fan interaction you've ever had? Um, you know what? For the most part, um, I don't see weird. I think it, they're just really passionate. Like when I was in Australia last time, someone flew down from, um, I don't know if it was Thailand or... Wow. Malaysia, they came all the way down to attend the screening. And I was just like, it's incredible. The the depths that people go, the tattoos, the, the costumes, they're just um, really supportive. And so for the most part, it's been very, very positive. I do love it when you see, I saw Tommy shared one the other day and looking through your Instagram, sort of when people say just have like a license plate and also like, oh, hi, Mark, or something like that, and just kind of the things like that. You mentioned tattoos. I mean, how many tattoos generally? Is this constant thing at Q&A? So that lift up the shirt, like I've, I've got an old hi, Mark, tattooed on my chest or something like that? Yeah, I think um, it's just, yeah, my, my signature was tattooed a few times. And, wow. Um, the You're tearing me apart, oh, hi, Mark. It's just something that, again, people are um, – they're just it's it just brings them a lot of joy and it's cool to see. That's crazy. I just it must be odd in some weird way though to all of a sudden just see your name, your signature tattooed on someone. Like I mean, that's just that's massive fandom right then and there to get a tattoo of a of a signature or somebody's name. Yeah, no, no, it's the passion is what's driven this movie for twenty years. It, it is. It really it's just one of those ones. It's kinda of like like a Rocky Horror Picture show, isn't it, where you've got these midnight screenings and people dress up and obviously go out there. I'm really intrigued to see how many people are going to be dressing up on on Sunday. What what is there like a you know, besides some of the obvious costumes, have people sort of gone out of their way to bring a unique take on one of the characters or something from the movie to turn into a costume at one of these screenings? Yeah, someone showed up dressed as Johnny. It was a girl, and she brought a red dress and was, like, humping the red dress during the <laughs> screening um, and even brought, like, a dog. So Wow. Again, it's like you see this movie, you never expect people to want to dress up and be those characters. It's just, it just amazes me that um, you just don't know in films, like, when you make a movie, what the, its life is going to be. 
Absolutely crazy to think of that. Wow, absolutely amazing. Uh, my co-host Colin obviously couldn't uh, be here with us today, but he, he gave me a couple of questions to kind of put to you, which uh, I'm actually intrigued for a couple of these ones, particularly the um, the part in the movie where Mark randomly shaves or the, the shaving section, you know, the beard, the non-beard. Was that in the script? How did that sort of just happen with the, the beard and then the non-beard and then the shave? That didn't sort of come up as we were filming. I think Tommy, Tommy halfway through was like, let's, um, I think, you know, you need to shave. It'll be more baby face. And so it was sort of, the scene was sort of created so he could call me baby face. So it wasn't in the script. It just said, come into its own as we were, uh, as we were filming. And, um, you know, I saw the beard as sort of like my disguise. <laughs> and uh, when I shaved it, it was sort of a traumatic, but um, I'm glad. I'm glad. I think it works works well for the film. Do, do you prefer people when they dress up and you in costume with beard or no beard? I think if you wear the red shirt, you got to have a little bit of a beard, but yeah. it goes both ways. Yeah, uh, absolutely agree. Uh, Colin also asks, um, do you believe that Claudette definitely recovered from breast cancer? Yeah, I think she did. She survived. Good. All right. Glad. That's uh, a burning question that we've uh, had for about 20 years, I think, really, to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> Um, he didn't end with anything to do with that but we were talking about Claudette and the cancer so mm, was it appropriate Ah, to laugh but uh so glad we got that question i mean i think the thing that i i take out of that you know like comparing it to star wars and back to the future of course you would why wouldn't you but (laughs) I, i mean just the fact that there are people who have met in relationships because of the room they've gone to screenings and and they've met dating pro that's where i'm going wrong on my tinder i don't have any references to the room clearly um and tattoos like i like yeah. i've got tattoos and I, I still want to get more tattoos but I, I mean i've got a movie tattoo i can't you know obviously i love james bond enough that i've got a movie tattoo but i love the room but i don't know if i get a room tattoo but i mean for the people who do props to you like seriously that is some commitment right there so i mean i i i'm not gonna get a tattoo but uh one thing i will say is uh i recently had a discussion with uh, a co-worker who uh what we were discussing is the fact that in our house there, for the most part, Jamie just decides, no, we're going to put this here. We're going to put that in here. Every, she decides <laughs> everything. I, I've got my little space down here. I got my medals behind me, my, you know, Mikkel Kingsbury to fill the point sisters. I got my Tom Cruise movie posters over here and stuff like that. But in the living room, I remember at one point, or even in our bedroom, I'm like, oh, I've got this picture. Maybe we could put it in there. She goes, no, you're not putting that stuff up in our bedroom. You can put it in your little corner of the basement. You can put it in your, your studio. Uh, but yet, I don't know how many times I count, like, Jamie, do we really need... Every character is Sailor Moon, plushies hanging from our wall. Why do we have 600 Pokemons on our headboard right now? So she basically takes over this house with whatever she wants there. And I had a coworker who said, you know what you really need to do? You need to get the poster of the room and not only hang that in your room, hang it like right on the ceiling. So that's the last thing she looks at every night. And then she will never turn down anything else that you ever asked to put in the house again. But I mean, th- this is the thing is that people see the movie and like they instantly just know that image. They, 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 they want to share those things. And I'm like, even if it's not a tattoo, I've got people recommending get that movie poster and put it in your house and put it somewhere where your wife's going to see it every single day. Jamie would probably love it, though. I do actually have behind me, which I thought I left in Canada, my uh, signed Tommy Wiseau. This is not going to help because we don't release this as a video one. I thought I, I thought I left it behind in Canada, but when I had sort of did a bit of digging recently through some th- certain things, I found it. And uh, so, it, again, not helping anybody because this is only an audio <laughs> episode, but I'm pointing behind me. There's a baseball I covering it, um, which I sadly do not have my You're Tearing Me Apart, Lisa. So I know I left that <laughs> behind in Canada. Um, but, you know, that little connection. But, 
Yeah, I, I, I love that. But that sounds very Jamie. But again, it, yeah, you, you know, it doesn't surprise. That's the beauty about living by yourself, Colin. Join the dark side. <laughs> you can have James Bond playing poker on your wall, and it doesn't matter. It's your house. You can put whatever you like on the wall. So. Um, I pay this mortgage. I should be able to put Tommy Wiseau up in my bedroom. Who wouldn't want to put him up there in the in the bedroom? But I, I also just think that it's it's always amazing. Like, and again, it's it's not like Greg talking about there about things that really hadn't been talked about before. About this is the film that keeps on giving. And then it's also it is that the study that you have with this movie that yeah, it is a terrible film. But there's nothing wrong with a terrible film bringing people together and having fun with it. Yeah, You know, I, I alluded to the comparisons to Rocky Horror Picture Show and sort of the midnight screenings and that. I know you're not a fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show was not a movie that was ever going to win Oscars or things like that. It's just mm. an enjoy. I mean, look at Grease. Look at some of these movies that stand the test of time that are beloved films that if you are ranking the greatest films of all time, they're not the Citizen Canes or the, you know, Casablancas, all these sort of movies, Schindler's List. But you can still take something and enjoy it, even if it's shit. I'm sure there are people out there who have that with the Oz Network. It's shit, but yeah. they enjoy it. We've got one Patreon. We make like sixty dollars a year. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, that, that's that's all that we need. We actually want more. Please sign up more. We're poor. Um, but yeah, like I think that's that level where it can be brought together. And I love, like, again, I said I didn't make that screening earlier this year, but this one that I want to go to in November at the Hayden Orpheum, I can never pronounce the name of their cinema, but like they literally have on their website, because they're actually doing monthly screenings of The Room right now, but they actually say on it, like, these are interactive screenings. Be prepared to say things, (laughs) cheer, laugh, like everything along those lines. So they're basically encouraging you to go along and do stuff in this film and not just sit there and watch it. So that's the power of this film. It's 20 mm-hmm. years, like 20 years. These are these things that make you feel damn old that this is now 20 years and people are embracing this. It's just, it's been, it's incredible. And we're in the middle of bad movie month and people probably haven't heard it yet, but I mean, we, we, well, we, they've heard part of it because every single week we talked about the room while we're covering other bad movies. And what we're just running to is it, it's, it's not, it's not that easy to find another movie like the room that is, even if you think it is the worst film ever made, you remember it and you want to quote it and there is kind of a love for it. And the people who do love it, they know it's a bad movie, but it's, it's like Greg was saying, like it's a movie that brings people together and whether it is Citizen Kane or it is The Room, you can still have a, you know, a bad movie that has this type of cultural impact. And that's what's crazy about this movie and, and along with some others. I mean, two of the movies we discussed this month, Showgirls and Howard the Duck, both have like their cult followings where... I mean, I'm sure we're going to get to Freddy Got Fingered and even that has like this cult following, but like it's still nothing really comes close to topping the room. Like I, what I think is amazing is that you have somebody like Greg or Tommy or anybody else involved in that movie. And despite the fact that it was probably something when it came out, they're like, oh, I hope this isn't in a bummer resume. I mean, they have careers now because of it and they're using it. They're using their powers for good. I mean, I'll, I'll give a quick plug. The the movie that he uh, was promoting that he talks about in the, the full interview, uh, Miracle Valley, uh, I watched it and... I was surprised it actually was pretty good. It was, you know, low budget. He's not trying to win any Oscars with it, but he's also not going out of his way to cater to that audience of the room. But he has like this reverence for like 70s cheap B-grade horror movies. And I think, you know, you got Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez doing it with something like Grindhouse and then Greg Sestero does it. And it's like, it's probably good enough that it could fit. In, if they'd continue on that Grindhouse franchise, it could have fit in that. So I don't think that he ever would have had the chance to make something like that if it wasn't for the room, but I'm glad he does. I'd argue it is harder to make a good, bad movie than a good, good movie because yeah. 
as a director, not that you go out of your way to make a bad movie. Well, some people do. Some people, like, I would argue Showgirls is kind of in a way, but, you know, let's not get into that debate. But, like, I think that to achieve this level that the room has achieved, I mean, obviously we know Tommy Wiseau didn't do it deliberately, but, like, Lightning doesn't strike. <laughs> but, I mean, we've seen that, like, with, what, The Best Friend, Big Shark or Mega Shark, whatever it is, is about oh, to come yeah. out. Like, I mean, and even what you're talking about there with Greg Lake with the movie, like... The, the, you know, you get a reputation where all of a sudden then it's like the opposite. Like if you go and make Casablanca, like every movie's got to be Casablanca and it's never going to reach that level, right? Um, and then like, but even now if you've got this reputation of, all oh, fuck, I'm kind of known as the bad movie person now, so let's make it. I know you've got that studio that makes like Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus and that's like... Oh, Asylum. That's yeah. kind of like their thing, right? So like that's kind of maybe mm. the closest you get to it. But I mean, you 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 say Showgirls, you say Howard the Duck. But I don't even know if there is a bad film, quote, bad film, that has ever achieved this level that The Room has. Like, you can't, like, yeah. you think about universally hated films and no, nothing's achieved. Like, literally, The Room is talked about now in conversation with a smile on people's face. It's never, mm-hmm. like, Showgirls, you've got that opinion. So many people say, oh, fuck, that's a terrible movie. How the Duck, well, terrible, but people love it. You know, what are some other ones out there that are like that? Uh, Gigli, I, I don't even know if that's ever gotten sort of a cult level. I know Glitter kind of has crossroads. That, but you've kind of got the fan bases with those, like the Britney Spears mm. fans, the Mariah Carey fans, the Madonna fans. Like, I mean, I know you love bagging her out, but they'll, they'll defend her movies. Like, it's you've got certain pockets, but what's another bad movie that we've ever even remotely looked at that has ever achieved anything like this. So when they call this the Citizen Kane of bad movies, it's correct. This is, I think, far and away, the greatest bad movie ever made. Mm. And you know what's interesting is that, uh, you know, The the Room, it's, it does these screenings like the one you went to and we had it uh, here in Winnipeg, the same thing when Greg, I don't know if Greg ended up making it here because we were supposed to have it and then COVID happened over and over again. But uh, uh, everybody talks about how ridiculously expensive the room was the movie cost like five million dollars or six million dollars to make and it's something that could have been done probably on six thousand dollars uh if you look up what the box offices of the room it's made five million dollars this movie's made its money back yeah. on being a movie that nobody should have ever seen this is this is the type of thing that you as you know we kind of saw in the disaster artist you rent out one screening for one day and you fill it with your friends, and it never plays anywhere again. And this movie has now basically made its money back. I've got a weird thing to say just on a tangent what I was talking about in terms of movies that will achieve this level of the room. Now, bear, me, bear with me with this, because this is the one I don't agree with, but I see it happening. Do you not see Cats in like 10 to 20 yeah. years? Because it is, I kind of see Cats being a thing, because you can have fun with that on a bad way, like dressing up how terrible it is, like... I don't know. I think Cats is maybe that movie that will it, get a level in a decade or two decades' time. I mean, I hope not because I hope to never see that movie again. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, yeah, the star power of that movie and just how absurdly bad it is, despite the amount of people involved. There's a, a famous movie. I've never seen it, but everybody's kind of heard the name Ishtar. It was like this mm. extremely expensive movie from like the early 80s that had like everybody under the sun in it and it bombed. But like Ishtar is like the butt of jokes, whereas Cats is something where... Zardoz, yeah. Like, these are movies that like nobody goes out of their way to see them, and if they do go out of their way to see them, it's only like, wow, that really was bad. But yeah, I, I totally could see Cats being something where people are, you know, enjoying this movie and, and going to screenings of this movie just because they know how bad it is. It also has to be a movie that has a little bit of fun with itself, and as as serious as the room is, like when you got Tommy Wiseau basically putting a gun in his mouth at the end of the movie, like. They they had fun with this movie, whether it's intentional or not. That it was a bad movie. 
you can't make a movie like this where people are playing football in a hallway or things like that or having Denny watching people have sex on the couch and not be trying to make something that is at least enjoyable. And that's the biggest difference. So many of the worst movies are movies where they were aiming to do something super serious and it ended up being like really bad in comparison. This movie, yes, there are scenes where they're definitely trying to take it serious, but I honestly believe that they always wanted this to be enjoyable and it kind of succeeds with that. And it's also the level that you've got a movie made on this movie, The Disaster Artist. I mean, it's a rarity. So what was it? Was it Ed Wood, the Johnny Depp one that he sort of yeah. did that kind of based on sort of how bad he was and sort of when you got that reputation and that kind of, again, it adds to the legacy of, of the film and, and does everything that. 20th anniversary though, are you aware there is a remake of this movie being released this year. What? I just discovered this. So <laughs> I don't know how this is going to be maybe delayed or if they've already finished it because of the writer's strike, but this is a legitimate remake that is coming out this year. Bob Odenkirk <laughs> is playing Johnny. Uh, Bella Heathcott is Lisa. Brando Crawford, Mark. Katie Seagal's in this movie is Claudette. Mike Flanagan, Peter. Greg Sestro is playing Chris R., if you don't mind. Um, but this is a legitimate movie that is coming out. A official room remake is happening. Uh, I just literally, I wanted to send you the link off Whoa. air, but I'm like, no, I want your reaction on air. And they're making it. If I'm looking up right now, they're not trying to literally remake the movie. They're they're making it as a horror film. They're like, what if we took this movie and just made it something like really, really horrific? That's kind of interesting. And um, yeah, you look at this cast, Greg. So Greg is playing. Chris R. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Playing Chris R. Uh, I mean, if this comes out by next year, we know whenever this does come out, that is our movie that we're covering on that year. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, we, we again, it's meant to come out this year for the 20th anniversary. It's, it's actually, it's it's to raise funds too. Like this isn't just like, a, oh, let's do this to make money. This is literally to raise money for charity, for uh, acting for a cause uh, for HIV and AIDS research. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's fun that they're sort of doing this. And I just think like that's it gets freaking Bob Odenkirk. Like I mean, <laughs> obviously he was in the Disaster Artist, so clearly mm-hmm. there's uh, levels here. And that's I, that's what I can appreciate about a film like this. Again, this movie is such a reputation that all of a sudden now it's like you're getting freaking Bob Odenkirk involved, Katie Segal. <laughs> like you're getting these people who are like big names to be involved in a project like that. I'm surprised they didn't get Meryl Streep. Probably would have won an Oscar <laughs> for it. Imagine that the Room remake, Meryl Streep for Claudette. Um, <laughs> Katie Seagal for an Oscar next year. Bob Odenkirk for an Oscar. Uh, although, uh, sorry to say, it's actually Kate Siegel. This is somebody different. Than oh, Katie what? Seagal, but, Am I uh, doing the wrong one than Katie Seagal? Oh, yeah. But, but Kate Siegel's done several. She's done several horror franchises: Oculus, Hush, The Haunting of Hill House, oh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. I thought it. I mean, was I've seen a couple of Peg those Bundy. TV shows. Oh, uh, that would have been brilliant. If she was Claudette. Oh, <laughs> I don't like, want to see anymore. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk, you know, he's gonna be able to play it both ways. If if this movie's supposed to be even, because yeah, reading up on this, they're saying it's not meant to be making fun of the movie. It's not a parody of it. It's sort of meant to be taken seriously, but you know Bob Odenkirk's going to have some fun with this as well. Like, he's he's not just going to be doing an impression of Tommy Wiseau, but this, this will be a bizarre, quirky character. I can't wait for this movie. Oh, this is going to be amazing. I just, not a, ta- a tangent, but tangent, but, like, I just love how Bob Odenkirk became a thing. You know when there's, like, these, I guess, actors, they're, they're the, hey, I know that guy from that thing, or I know that girl from that yeah. thing. He, like, again, the thing that I knew him from, and you'll roll your eyes and laugh, but I don't care. I, I will defend the show. Joey defend it. It's better than people say it is. That's all I will say about Joey. But he played like a guest role in one episode where he was like a rival actor to Joey. They kept stealing each other's parts. So when I saw him in 
Breaking Bad. I'm like, hey, it's that random guy from Joey. Like when you remember one person from a show that nobody remembers, you know they make an impact on you. And he's in other things. He's in The Cable Guy, Bob Odenkirk. I don't know if you remember him in The Cable Guy. Um, But, you know, obviously one of these ones that popped up. And then you eventually see them make their due. It's kind of like, oh, I've gone blank on a name right now. Jennifer Coolidge, how she's sort of all of a sudden winning yeah, Emmys yeah. and become a thing. Like she's been around for years. She was in Joey. She was Joey's agent <laughs> in that in that show. But uh, you know, it's kind of good that you see these people make this. So Bob Odenkirk doing this is is great. We we never came into today's anniversary episode really as more of like, oh, let's do this. It was it was almost going to be like our shortest one of this. I think we we wanted to play this Greg interview. Are they doing any screenings of the room that you're aware of in, in Winnipeg? I don't know if you've looked it up because no. again, outside of the the Greg appearance later this year, I know the cinema is showing this at least monthly at the moment. So my goal is by the end of this year to somehow see the room on the big screen. Yeah, I and mean, the one that we had here was delayed several times, but it was actually, I think if it did happen, it was supposed to be last year and it was the 19th anniversary. So they're basically milking the 20th anniversary by saying, this is our 19th anniversary of the room, the 20th. So we're going to get a 21st, 22nd. I mean, I'm sure the tour will come back around at some point. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, if it comes, I 100% would go again. I think uh, the, originally my plan was to go and then it got delayed because of COVID. And then whatever date it was, I remember the date that it was rescheduled for someone's like, there's no way we can make that. And I'm hoping that uh, it does come back here again. Uh, I mean, we, we we have to be able to meet this man in the flesh. Yeah, well, it's absolutely. But I mean, I'm also just on that level of, yeah, I just really want to see it on the big screen. Like there are certain movies yeah. that, you know, not to say COVID was a positive. Of course it wasn't a positive, but you have the ability to see certain things on the big screen for, you know, COVID let me see Back to the Future on the big screen. It let me see the Santa Claus on the big yeah. screen. You know, certain things like that, that I can always say I went and saw it. And right now we might be in the midst of seeing some more re-releases given the, the writer's strike and, and the actor's strike is going to extend longer and who knows when we're ever going to have movies again. So it's kind of these benefits where you can see that. And I do love that cinemas and and theatres have this, you know, they're losing, say, money to Netflix and that sort of stuff because people don't go to the cinemas anymore, but they always find their way. Like they're re-releasing mm-hmm. films. Look at Titanic. I mean, I, I regretted not going to see Titanic again this year for the, the 25th anniversary. But you see these things that pop up straight away. Oh, The Room, 20th anniversary. I'm going to go see it. When yeah. Jurassic Park was its uh, 20th anniversary back in 20, and they did the 3D one. I've told that story before. I fought for the cinema in Hobart to show one screening of it so I could go see it again. No cinemas around here for some reason weren't showing Jurassic Park on their 30th anniversary, which made me sad. But if they, I've seen that more times on the big screen on re-releases than I ever saw it as a six-year-old. So yeah. yeah, it's that sort of level. And again, the, the it's just one of these films that you just you need to, I think, experience in a theater with oh. people commenting along. I mean, I I said on our first episode, you know, I watched this movie by myself and spent half the movie thinking like this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And by the end of the movie, I'm enjoying it up. But then when Jamie got home and I started showing her clips, yeah, you know, she was th- that same reaction. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. But then by the time nine minutes of clips were done she's quoting the movie and that was just showing her clips of it. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons we did the commentary because it's so much more fun to be able to watch this with them. Uh, I, I say we, we, I would, wouldn't be opposed to just doing another commentary if we run out of ideas at some point should. in the future. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, next year we do the remake and I think the year after we just, yeah, like you can never do enough commentaries of this film because it's, yeah. you literally see it every time and you notice something or you laugh at that or you hear a story and then all of a sudden you watch it differently. It's just, so good. Are you going to watch this, do you think, in the like you know coming weeks or whenever? Oh. At least watch it this year if you're not going to be able to go see it on the big screen? 100%. Uh, and whatever date you go see it with Greg live, I'll make oh. sure that I'm watching at the exact same time. We can, we I'll can Facebook live, live tweet it for it, you. 
Yeah, we'll live tweet back and forth as we're watching the room. Well, I mean, given that it'll be at 7 p.m. for me, that'll be about 4 in the morning for you. So, um, yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> for Greg. For Greg. For the room. <laughs> um, but a big thanks to Greg for joining us uh, for that chat. And, yeah, as I said, we'll, we'll see later on in this year. If we end up going along to it, if we can maybe get him back on in some capacity, do something in person, get him to lick a spoon or shave my face or something like that. I, I don't know. Um, bring a dog. Say hi to it. Uh, all the quotes. That, do you think there's just going to be a point in life where he gets it? It's just going to hit a wall, and he's just going to be like, "Okay, I'm done now." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't hear "Oh hi, Mark" one more time. Or is he Mark Hamill, and he doesn't care? That's his life. Just, <laughs> you know, bless Mark Hamill. It what a man. Depends how much it's going to pay. If, if Mark Hamill and Greg Sestero can do a movie together, oh. that's what we need. We need Mark Hamill playing Tommy Wiseau. Wow. Wow. That Mark Hamill can play the, play the dog. Oh hi, doggy. <laughs> You know how like in South Park they used to get like George Clooney to voice like the dog going bark, bark. (laughs) That's like the, that's how they get their celebrity cameos. Um, But we are in the middle of bad movie month and unfortunately we have to talk about actual bad movies. So we mentioned How the Duck a couple of times. That's uh, out this week. So we apologize for that in advance. Uh, Freddie Got Fingered (laughs) is next week. So um, I'm sure we already owe you an apology and we haven't even seen it yet. (laughs) Yeah, we, we keep doing this month every year to try and try and find one that lives up to the room because this this was the first ever year that we did bad movie month wasn't yeah. it we did the room wasn't it from memory yeah so yeah. we did swept away was, that year as well um what else did gods we... of egypt battle you weren't on gods of egypt and battlefield earth but uh, then you came on for swept away in the room i was traveling i was in because i remember being in canada recording this episode anyway whatever i i'm sad i never did battlefield earth it's been a long time since i've seen that movie um like subscribe do all the things and watch the room do it because we told you to <laughs> My name is Ben, and I definitely know how to close out an episode this time. And my name is Colin, and oh, bye, Greg. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.